Good morning, Lydia House. Whether you are here or there, we welcome you and rejoice that we can come together as God's people, two or three gathering together, that makes church. So uh, maybe you have two or three where you're at, and we've got a few here, and so we're going to have a wonderful morning of worship and word. Andrew Dvorak is going to be sharing the word with us this morning, and I am thrilled to uh, have him at Lydia House, first of all, and you're going to hear him again. He, this won't be the, this will be the first time, but not the last time. So, hey, stand and greet somebody. And if you're at home, you can do the same. Greet somebody. Unless you're alone, then it's kind of hard to do it. But Greet the Lord. Greet the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Praise be to you, Lord Jesus. When peace like a river. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like Though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. I sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in It is well with my 
with my soul it is well it is well with my soul and Lord haste the day when my face shall be sighed the cloud be rolled back as a scroll the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend even so it is well with my soul it is well it is Worshiping with us, join with us. Hope you know the song. I sing praises to your name. Oh Lord, praises to your name. Oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly. I sing praises to your name, oh Lord, praises to your name, oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I give glory to your name, oh Lord, glory to your name. Give glory to your name. Oh Lord, glory to your name. Oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. For your name is great and greatly.
We are standing in his presence on holy ground. This is holy ground. This is holy ground. We're standing on holy ground. For the Lord is present and where he is is holy this is holy ground we're standing on holy ground for the lord is present and where he is is holy Put your hands in, out in front of you. These are holy hands. We're given us holy hands. He works through these hands, and so these hands are holy. These are holy. He's given us holy hands. He works through these hands, and so these hands are holy. I sing praises to your name. Sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I give glory. I give glory to your name. Oh, Lord. song going. Keep the song going. You're greatly to be praised, Lord. Greatly to be praised. Greatly to be praised. Greatly to be praised. 
God. Our hearts are full. Our hearts are full. If you have a, a song of praise, a word of praise, we've got mics on the front chairs. You're welcome to take one and offer up a, a word of thanks, a word of praise. Greatly to be praised. You are worthy, worthy, Greatly to be praised, God. Greatly to be praised, Lord. Greatly to be praised. I give glory to your name. Oh, Lord, glory to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great. And greatly. I give glory to your name, oh Lord, greatly to your name, oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be And greatly to be That we have this place that we can come and worship you. Yes, yes indeed. And thank you and praise you that I was able to find it. <laughs> and I'm I'm thankful for Pastor Paul and his wife Karen that you just um, bless them and thank you for them opening their heart and their home. So we have a place to go in worship. So I thank you, Jesus. because of uh, something I know about the sermon, about suffering. It's a beautiful song. Hide me now under your wings. Hide me When the oceans rise and thunders roar, 
over the flood. I will be still and know you are God. I will be still and know you are God. Find rest, my in Christ alone, know His power in quietness and trust. When the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are King. still and know you are God. When the ocean rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still and know you are God. I will be still and know you. Just be still now. Just be quiet before a good God, a loving God. Let him do the speaking now into your heart. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Thank you, Father. And from Psalm 89, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever. And so we thank you, Father, for your faithfulness yes. today. We bless you, Lord. We thank yes. you for your word that stands firm, even when there are storms. Yes. We stand on your word, and our eyes are on you. Such storms in our land, such storms in our world. Oh, God, hide us yes. in the cleft of the rock this Jesus. today, in these days. Oh, hide us in you. Two weeks ago, you preached on the colors of the nations and the Lord calling the nations, and there's so much unrest here. And last weekend, we were in Milwaukee, or we were outside of Milwaukee, and we just couldn't resist going down by Lake Michigan, even though there's a lot of turmoil in the city, and 
My enthusiastic daughter had picked a pretty blatant bumper sticker on our car we hadn't removed before we went, and we thought, oh, we're kind of a target here. And So taking our little grandkids and everything, we were like, oh, we just can't resist. It's a beautiful day. So we drove down to a beach along Lake Michigan, and I stayed above taking a few pictures, and there's these stairs that go way down. And halfway down, as I followed later, the rest of the family was down, there's this lovely lady sitting there. I was just drawn to her, and we're on opposite sides of tan. And, um, and we just started chit-chatting. She was watching her grandkids play, and I mentioned that mine were down there. And I somehow she f- asked where I was from. I don't know, I guess... I didn't look like I belonged, and she, I said Minneapolis or Twin Cities, so of course that brought, but I just stayed really gentle, and she just said, well, I don't know where you are politically, and I just interrupted her and said, what happened was horrific and sad, and we are all grieving, it was horrible, and I should back up, when we parked our car, there are these beautiful mansions, and then draped just really ugly, was painted a Black Lives Matter um, Sign. So I was a little nervous going down, wondering what the atmosphere was going to be at the beach. But as she, as she just said, well, I don't know where you stand. And I just immediately said, I'm grieving. We're grieving. It is all so painful. And then um, I said, and I, I agree. Black lives matter. But you know what I wish it said? And she finished the sentence. She said, it needs to say all lives matter. And I just immediately, it was like, I love you. <laughs> you know, and we had this sweet time together. And I said, I didn't ask to be born white, and I'm so tired of being told that because I'm white, I'm a racist, because I don't have a racist bone in my body. I said, when I see you, I see your beautiful outfit and your hair, and you're a really pretty lady. And, and as we talked, and we shared about our grandkids and stuff, she interrupted, and she said, I am so glad I met you. Oh. And so here I stood with this beautiful color in the palette, and I went down, and we were able to introduce our families to each other, and I just said, thank you so much, God. You know, um, and then there were a couple things I had said. You know, it's not just black people being hurt by some bad actions on police. There's a lot of white people who have been hurt, too. Statistically, I think more whites than blacks. And she was like, wow, why aren't we hearing this? I said, because people don't want to have you hear the truth. And so we really connected. She said, boy, you make some good points. And I thought, wow. She was soft. And I was so grateful. So, yes, very. And uh, her name's Dee Dee. And she was the sweetest. And so if you think of Dee Dee, there is hope. It was hope. It was really encouraging. Thank you, Anne. I've had wonderful conversation with many blacks these days. I just stop them when I see them and I, I talk with them. I'm very thankful uh, for the chance to, to listen to them, listen to what they have struggled with. Some are friends that I never happened to ask about these things. So now I've asked about them. What a delight to have you in our rows today. My welcome to Lydia House. We go back a ways, Karen, to, uh, to your children, Angela and Johnny. Is it John or Johnny? They wanted to be here. They said they'd come next week. Wonderful. And uh, it was early 2000 when we lost your husband, wasn't it? 2007. Yes, I remember well. What a shock. What a sadness. So... 
wonderful to, to have you sharing in our worship I life. I found out that you were doing this. I just recently did. Yeah. Uh, Angela found out, and she told me you were doing that. I told Jennifer. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, she knew when she's bringing her friends already. How about that for a good example? Well, yeah, you've been. In fact, we're having a prayer meeting this Friday, a uh, unity prayer meeting. You've been to those, I believe. Oh, okay. Oh, my. Wow. Well, we have a, a prayer meeting that started with uh, Mike Smith and Larry Alberts and myself. We wanted to bring together uh, groups of people to pray. And my, if we ever needed unity, we need it now. Amen. And so we'll pray here Friday morning from 10 to 1130. We'll do some worship together. And I know that's a time when uh, many of you have to work. It's wonderful for us that don't have to work. We, 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 can, we can come and pray. Yeah. Well, Nate, he, uh, he can do this without a, a cheat sheet. I, I need to have a cheat sheet. He gets up and gives all the announcements, gives all the words. Nate is on sabbatical. And hope you're having a good time, Nate. I don't know if you listen to these while you're uh, away, but uh, if you do, we appreciate you, and we're glad that you can take a Shabbat a rest, and hope it is, and we'll see you in September. So we got an offering box here. Thank you that you continue to give, even though we're doing it differently these days, uh, but uh, the offerings continue to come in. You're a generous bunch of people, and we're grateful for that. I had a, a wonderful experience. You think I can tell them that experience I had with the grandkids where I held the money up to them and... Uh, uh, yeah. Yes, I can, thank you. I got permission from my wife and my wife's friend and our friend. So uh, it was my birthday and we were selling... And Elliot's. And so I told Karen what I planned to do and I brought with me uh, 16 $20 bills. They were all there. The 16th is in the womb of their daughter. Uh, but I, I had one for her, too. Yes, yes. Our daughter-in-law, yes. We are, we are connected somehow. So I held up these $20 bills. I got their attention right away. And I said, this is money. But we don't bow down to money. And this is time. We don't bow down to time. We don't get fretful about time. Time is a gift to us. We won't have it in eternity, but we have it now. And so we use time. We invest time. We don't just spend time. And we don't just spend money. But we use time for our benefit. And then it doesn't oppress us. We don't get pressed. I don't have time. Yes, you do. You have time to do everything God wants you to do. And I'm not preaching this morning, so I have to give, get something out here. So I held this up, and I said, if I gave this to you, and they were, 
what would you do with it? Is there any way that you could invest it? And they started thinking of ways that they could maybe invest it. And they gave some ideas. I, a lady down the street that I'd like to give flowers to that isn't feeling well, what a great idea. I could get a train set. That'd be good. That'd be good. That, that's, you know, I didn't want to put them down. So we had a lot of them. My kids grabbed their phones and started to cry as they were videoing this because God entered into the moment. It was a moment for the grandkids to learn something about money. Erica, at least I know, and there, may be, there were others who were getting choked up because God just used that to speak to those young ones. And I said, I, I gave it, Karen put them in envelopes, we gave it to them, and then I said, I want to hear what you do with this. And so I'm hearing back now of what they're doing. Some gave part of it to the church and part of it, you know, to, for things that they wanted. I'm glad, you know, they, they had their freedom. So... I love to talk about money. I, I talk to young people that I'm mentoring. Yesterday, I talked to one guy that I'm mentoring about how to use money and how God, if, if he gives it away, God promises he'll give it back and more. So thank you, Lydia House, for blessing us in this way. We want to pray for healing. We want to pray for healing for people at Lydia House. And... Huh? Remember? Yeah, yeah. Um, Somebody just going to stop. We're going to pray. If there are people that you know, uh, a part of us that need healing, prayer, just give their name now loud, and we'll include them in in prayers for healing. I want to pray for for uh, Gabriel. You know Gabriel is Esther's son. I want to pray. We've had a had a great week with Gabriel. Uh, I, I did some work over with Jeremy over at Esther's house, and Gabriel worked with Jeremy. Gabriel came over here. Steve, you took him out, I heard. And so we're teaming up to help you, Gabriel. We love you, and we love being with you, and we love having you here. And when you can't be here, we'll come there. And so, Father, thank you for Gabriel and all the young people that you let us have uh, influence with. We bless them with the understanding that they are loved in heaven and loved on earth. We pray for any of our children who are going through tussles, who are going through matches, who are fighting in their heart. We pray that you would bring peace, Jesus. peace into their hearts, oh God. Settle them down. Give them your peace. Let them know that they are special to you and they're special to us and they don't have to erupt. We pray for those that are depressed and are backing off. We bless our brother Byron. We pray that you would bring yes. healing and hope and strength to Byron. We thank you for him. And uh, yes. And I want to lift up um, a dear friend, Mark Reeves. His, um, Mark Reeves is dealing with his second bout of cancer, and um, oh. he frankly needs a miracle. Okay. He's a miracle healing, and his, he loves the Lord with all of his heart. Uh, he can hardly say a sentence without praising God. And he's not, a, he's not bitter, he's, but he's hoping and praying for a healing. Pray it, and we'll join with you. Okay, dear Lord, we, pray, we lift up Mark Reeves to yes. the Lord. Yes. He's, um, in my whole life, I've never met anyone that's experienced more loss, suffering, and pain than this man. 
and yet his heart is filled with joy and mm. great gratitude mm. to you for every breath he takes. But I pray that you'll re reward him with uh, complete healing, Lord. Reward his faith in Jesus' name. Um, amen. 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 Grandson Nathan? Nathan, uh, my oldest daughter's son, and uh, he's the only one of my 14 grandchildren that don't know the Lord. And I, But he married a, a, a woman that does, so I know there's hope. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but um, for Heidi. Um, but they're living in Duluth, and he doesn't want to hear. And I tried to talk to him or send him something. Don't go on and on, Grandma. So mm. pray that God give me more wisdom when I talk to him. He's got a good name, Nathan. Gift, gift from God. We pray that uh, Nathan will come to understand uh, why he was given that name. There was a reason he was given that name. He was marked from birth. He was marked. And I pray, God, that he would say yes. That you would help people to know how to reach Nathan. We pray that he can just relax and be who he is and that you can speak into Nathan. We trust you, God. Amen. So we took a picture. Uh, Jeremy took a picture. Uh, Esther, when I was over at her house, she shared that she wanted something done at her house. And so uh, I said, we can do that. Lydia House will do it. And so uh, Jeremy spent five hours yesterday over there. And uh, are we able to? Okay. If you want to afterwards, you can. I'll show you a picture. And uh, he spent an hour and a half with Gabriel, working together, and then having pizza together. So uh, really neat. So I wore this. It's the first time I've worn this for years. Uh, there are about 40 of us that wore it on, uh, on, at our party in 1995. My dad was already gone. My mom was gone. But my father, all us kids, five sisters, knew that when we went out, he would say to us, remember who you are. When I saw the movie Lion King, I cried because long before... Uh, Simba heard it from his father. I heard it from my father. I'd go out and I, he never said to me, we'll be in by 11. He said, remember who you are. So we got together after he was gone. We said, what did that mean? Why did he say that to us? And so we, he never told us, but we just figured, that you're an Anderson, that counts for something. But you're a child of God. And if you know who you are, identity, you'll live out. Your identity, destiny. You'll live it out. So Paul, uh, we can't see this, but this was before the movie came out. And there's a lion oh, okay. here, and it says, "Remember who you are." Uh, family reunion, 1995. Oh, so that was. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can't see it. Afterwards, you can. Yes. Oh, So July 12th, weather permitting and technology permitting, we'd like to be outside. Wouldn't that be fun to be outside in our patio? 
If you can help out with technology, we thank God for technology, and we thank uh, CJ that he knows about technology. So good for CJ. And we'll have communion uh, outside. If uh, I'll be uh, preaching next Sunday on how we are called to interface with government. We've never been more polarized. And uh, don't politicize the issue of racism and what's going on. It's not a political matter. It's a matter of the heart, a matter of what we're commanded to love one another. So I look forward to next Sunday there. And then on the 12th, Paul McKenzie is going to be preaching. I'm delighted that today, Andrew Dvorak, he's from Dean. Do you know Dean uh, Dvorak? Do you, do you know that family? They're from, they've been at North Heights for, for many, many years. So come on up, uh, Andrew, and we want to pray for you. This blesses me. They've never been here before. <laughs> And they're, 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 all, they're givers, I guess. So, you grew up? Brooklyn Center. Brooklyn Center. That's a long way from here. <laughs> and uh, he's got one more year of seminary before he gets launched. He's already sort of been launched. He's doing ministry. We're going to lose them in a year to uh, Australia. They're going to go back through some programs, YWAM program, midwifery for her and him finishing up. Uh, well, you'll be done by then, won't you? Mm -hmm. Hopefully, <laughs> you'll be done. Okay. Yeah, it's a school, uh, I've heard of it, it's called the Master's Institute. So, Father, we thank you for Andrew and Larissa and Joanna. We thank you for this family, and it's growing as we talk. We thank you for what you put in Andrew's heart for today, and we bless him. We pray that you would give him joy, inspiration, as he speaks to us. And we want to hear what the Spirit is saying to this church today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good morning. Good morning. Just by way of introduction, uh, to extend a little bit, um, yeah, I like to say that I've known Paul since the mid-90s, but unlike most people who have, I was like three years old. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember at uh, North Heights in Roseville, I remember, odd that I would remember at such a young age, but I remember Paul playing the piano and this little girl on his lap playing the piano. And I thought, what a cute little girl. Like she's got her hands on his, on his hands as he's playing. And to look back on it, Karis and I are the same age. So I don't know why I thought she was this like much younger, like little toddler when I was a little toddler at the same time. Um, so I remember distinctly that memory uh, for some reason or another of Paul and, and Karis at the time. And um, going through life uh, post high school, I was a part of Communitas uh, ministry through here for a little bit. And uh, I met my wife, Larissa, and when she came back, uh, we met in New Zealand, but when she came to Minnesota, we were part 
of this community for a little while with Communitas, and Paul and Karen have been just instrumental in our, um, in our marriage and in our walk and our discernment of calling, and we're just so grateful to have um, just beautiful people like Paul and Karen in our life, and we're grateful for Lydia House. I don't know why it took us this long to come here, but we've only, we started coming maybe last fall, Larissa, and then kind of took a break and then have been back um, since the late winter, early spring. Um, so it's good to be here in this family, in this midst. And yeah, as Paul said, I grew up in Brooklyn Center. Uh, I was a part of North Heights my whole life, baptized, confirmed, and, and married there. Um, since then, my, my wife and I are serving in ministry through Youth with a Mission, or YWAM, uh, out in Rockford, Minnesota. So we live in Rockford. Um, and come here, <laughs> and uh, we're glad to, to be here in our, your midst. Um, does that cover everything, Larissa, for introduction? Cool. <laughs> Rockford's like 45-minute drive from here, maybe 40-ish, but most things that we do are out here. So yeah, growing up in more of the Twin Cities area, we still have friends and family uh, more like 40 minutes from our house, so we're used to the 40-minute drive to get to anywhere, and we're grateful for a destination like this to be at. So um, as I mentioned earlier, Larissa is from New Zealand, and she and I met each other uh, as a part of YWAM uh, in New Zealand back in 2012. I was a staff member. She was a student. And fast forward three years later, we got married. Paul actually married us. And um, yeah, I remember it well. <laughs> it was a good day. Yeah. I think we had like a $2,000 budget, including the honeymoon, and we made it work. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. And uh, after that time, uh, we went back to New Zealand and, and we're doing ministry there as well as in Cambodia for a really short time. And uh, we had met with Paul before going, and Paul really felt that there was from the Lord just a call of doing theological ministry training for me in the Twin Cities. And so that, that shifted everything of our life direction. And we, we came back, uh, well, I came back first to Minnesota. And we were applying for Larissa's residency, her permanent residency, to get a green card. And uh, I came back in June of 2016. And we thought Larissa would come back maybe by the 4th of July or a little after. And uh, that whole summer was spent apart. And she didn't come back till September 16th. It took a lot longer than we were originally told for her processing to happen. And throughout that whole summer, just big question on my mind was how long I would call uh, those who were processing it. And I was even told that you know, they didn't even totally know. It's in the system. And when it comes out, it comes out. And so it was really it was challenging. Um, we were married. We weren't dating. It was like my wife is 8,000 miles away, and I'm here. And um, she couldn't come until she was legally able to arrive. And so it was, that was a challenge of a, of a how long. And you may or may not uh, relate perfectly to those circumstances, uh, but I think we can all relate to that longing, lingering question of how long. For example, how long will I be out of work for? How long will the pregnancy tests read negative? How long until the storm in my life passes? How long until wholeness is brought to that relationship? How long until this health crisis is resolved? How long until I feel safe in my community again? And on and on it goes. There are so many how longs. 
that we may be asking ourselves or even crying out to God about? And these are real, serious, and valid questions. The situations and circumstances that they represent are painful. They don't feel good. We don't tend to ask, how long until this good moment goes away? Or how long until this thing that I really like is over with? It's kind of like watching a movie. If we're really enjoying a movie and we're engrossed in the plot, we don't ask, how much time is left? When is this movie going to end? Uh, sometimes the credits come on and we think, or if you're like my wife, we say out loud, that's it? That's all that there is to this movie? But if we're watching a movie that we have no interest in, and it does not appeal to us, we are likely to ask, how long is left? Or we shut it off. Or if we were in a theater, remember those days? We'd walk out of the theater. <laughs> but our lives are not like a movie. When it comes to our lives, we can't just select a genre and find an interesting title. We can't just tune out and walk away when what's happening on the screens of our life reality is undesirable or even painful. Sometimes in life, things do not seem to go our way. Any one of the circumstances that I identified earlier represent hardship and pain to some degree or another. And there are any number of other difficulties that we face as human beings. And I'm sure that there are difficulties represented in this room or wherever you may be watching this. I wouldn't be surprised if I only got one or two of those how long examples out in your mind it went exactly to a hardship that you have been faced with or are currently facing. And I'm glad your minds did that but I encourage you to, to hold on to that thought as we will come back to them. It is in the midst of hardships that feel like they're dragging on for an agonizing length of time that we can feel the most hopeless. And that is a difficult combination, hardship and time. It's not just that what we're experiencing is challenging and draining for a moment. The kinds of things that we're talking about today are particularly difficult as they are not isolated incidents that we easily move on from. The amount of time that we are feeling oppressed compounds, and the pain elongates the agony. It doesn't get over quickly, and it doesn't get over easily. As such, we may feel alone and isolated, and whatever the it is may rob us of our communication, and it may rob us of our community. We may not feel that we are able to open up to others about it, or that we even should share with others. We may feel that nobody cares. And maybe there really are those in our life who don't care. But maybe it's mostly our perception that tells us that it's not worth telling someone else about, because they won't listen. And even if they did, it won't change anything. And that is debilitating. When we feel as though there is nothing we are able to do to see the results that we are hoping for, that paralysis is crushing. It is in these times that we may even feel as though God is distant. We feel small and disengaged, and at best, God feels far and removed. We think thoughts like, why would he let this happen? Why wouldn't God prevent this? Or why won't he just make it all stop? It is in these times that we can really begin to feel helpless. Those feelings of helplessness may sour and turn into bitterness. Our hearts become burdened. Our emotions are drained. We do everything we can within our power to turn things around, to see a different story written. But try as we might, our efforts may seem to all be in vain. Positive thinking isn't going to take away a complicated, stress-inducing, difficult hardship. 
These circumstances won't continue without taking a toll on us in some form or another. An example of that toll may be that our relationships with others are become damaged due to the stress and that it is at the forefront of our minds constantly. Our sleep will likely be affected, as will what we eat or how we eat. The physical, mental, emotional, relational, spiritual toll is exhausting. I hope I'm painting a real picture. It's not a pleasant picture, but I think it's real. I think we can all relate to being at that really low level. The darkness feels so strong. We feel so weak. The circumstances feel, uh, that we face feel so overwhelming and all-encompassing. God feels far off, and it feels as though he won't do anything to help us. So sit with these words for a minute. Broken, isolated, forgotten, weak, small, insignificant, overwhelmed, oppressed, weary, worn, not enough, powerless, shattered. These words are identifiable for all human beings. These words are not unique to any one person alone. In some form or another, every human being can relate to this. And in truth, apart from God, those words describe humanity. Additionally, this is not a human experience that is new to our time or new to our particular context by any means. We read in the book of Psalms about these very kinds of circumstances. So I invite you, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, to flip it open uh, to Psalm 13. And we'll read a a very short psalm. If you're there, wonderful. If not, please join me. (laughs) Psalm 13 says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul? and have sorrow in my heart all the day. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love, My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 13 is a psalm of lament. Here the psalmist is crying out to God in distress. We don't know exactly what it is that the psalmist is being faced with, but it is apparent that there is a serious foe he is facing that threatens to utterly overtake him. The psalmist is at the end of his rope There are no solutions for his difficulty that he can make for himself. Surely he has tried all that he can do on his own, and yet the all-encompassing reality of his enemy persists. He cries out to God not merely as a way to express himself, but in in order that the Lord would hear his plea and answer him. I think it's a good sign that he is seeking God. Even in the midst of all this heaviness, he hasn't completely turned away from God. He's feeling overwhelmed and even feeling that he is forgotten by God, yet he still cries out to him. 
Even doubt indicates faith. The writer recognizes just how high the stakes are and that his very life is at risk. Any sense of goodness, wholeness, harmony, or safety have all but left him. Remember, he didn't stub his toe or spill hot coffee on himself. He's in the midst of serious difficulty. If he was able to overcome his enemy and circumstances on his own, surely he would have already. And perhaps he's taken everything that he knows on his own and thrown it at the difficult circumstance. And yet the weight is so heavy that he cannot bear it on his own any longer, nor is he himself able to escape from it. He cannot do it on his own. Without God, he will be defeated, and his enemy will be victorious. Again, he recognizes the seriousness of his enemy. He recognizes the seriousness of his situation. He does not want to give an inch to his enemy. And he certainly does not want his enemy to be the one who finds victory in these circumstances. The psalmist does not confine himself to the kind of thinking that says, surely God in his sovereignty knows of my situation, therefore there's no need for me to talk to him about it. What will be, will be. No, no. The psalmist is all in. He's going to the one source who, though he may feel far off, is greater than the enemy that the psalmist is facing. Not only that, but clearly the psalmist has a relationship with God, and he knows God's track record. The psalmist shares his plight openly and quite probably loudly before the Lord. How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? He tells the Lord where he is at emotionally, what he is experiencing, what or who he is up against, and what failure would definitively mean. So let me say that again. He tells the Lord where he is at emotionally, what he is experiencing, what or who he is up against, and what failure would definitively mean. The psalmist does not mince words here, nor is he particularly optimistic or positive. He is real and authentic before the Lord. He is still in the thick of it. The end of the story hasn't happened yet. It is always more enjoyable to tell our stories of challenge when we know the outcome ultimately resulted in our favor. It's more difficult to tell the story when we're still in the midst of it and the conclusion feels unknown. For example, telling you about when my wife would return is a lot easier today than a few summers ago when I was waiting with the unknown. In Psalm 13, the psalmist is focused on the reality that is before him. And that reality comes in two parts. One part of his reality is the current physical circumstances that he finds himself in. The other part of his reality is the reality of the God whom he serves. Just a reminder, this is a, all takes place in a short psalm. It's six verses in length, but it's chock full with so much for us as doers and hearers of God's word to take in and to apply to our own lives. The final portion of Psalm 13 is where the psalmist transitions to hope. Previously, he has brought to God's attention what would happen if God didn't act. Now, he is reminding himself of what God has already done. I think that is really significant. We don't want to just tell God about the problems. We ought to also remember how God has acted in the past. As we go through our lives and our journey of faith with God, we begin to gather so many stories, stories of God's goodness, stories of God's, uh, how God provided, stories of how God acted and how he expressed his love to us. 
reminding ourselves of these stories is really beneficial, not only to us, but to others as well. Particularly when we're facing a new struggle, a new hardship, a new difficulty. The psalmist in Psalm 13 proclaims that God's love has proven to be steadfast. Love that the psalmist can put his trust in. Yes, all of us today are reading this psalm, and countless of others have read it through history. But in the moment, the audience was the psalmist and God. Purposely chooses to speak to himself about God's goodness. Telling yourself the truth is a powerful thing, which can lead to really positive shifts in the battleground of our minds. The psalmist looks ahead to the salvation that he believes is yet to come from God. The psalmist knows that God is his rescuer, even if he hasn't felt rescued yet. Even though his circumstances do not currently line up with experiencing joy and salvation, he has faith to believe that the Lord's salvation will indeed come. That salvation is cause enough for rejoicing. The psalmist knows that God will rescue him. The psalmist is rejoicing about a future reality and rejoicing about a current and constant characteristic about God, that God will bring the rescue. The psalmist already knows that he's going to rejoice in God's salvation. He already knows that he will have something to sing about because of who God is and what God will do. And that is faith. And I'm not talking about positive confession and trying to speak into existence what you want to see happen in your life. I'm talking about knowing God. Knowing God's nature and character through his word and through experience with him and declaring his truth over the circumstances of our life as well as in the circumstances of our life. Aligning our hearts with God's heart. Reminding ourselves of who God is. Not duping ourselves or acting like what hurts us doesn't hurt us. But bringing God into the equation and even rejoicing in the difficult times because of God and who God is. And that is something to sing about. In a matter of just a handful of verses, Psalm 13 goes from a grim present reality to the promise of praise, even though the current physical circumstances have not yet changed. And that's a journey that takes place on the inside, at an inner level within the psalmist and at an inner level within us if we so choose. The psalmist has present faith for a future reality. I want to have that. Faith now for a reality that God will bring about in the future. Again, I'm not trying to suggest a name it and claim it kind of mindset or approach to God and life. We're not talking about excess or possessions, but the declaration of God's truth and preaching that truth to our very souls as we align our hearts with God's reminding ourselves of who he is when it feels like he is not. And perspective is huge, and I'd even say perspective is reality. If our perspective is only what we can see a few inches in front of our face, we miss so much by being that short-sighted. The perspective that we ought to have is one that is big enough to include God. The author of Psalm 13 demonstrated this well. In a short passage, the author travels the journey from lament to praise while affirming the goodness of God and trusting in him for salvation. I'll say that again. The author travels the journey from lament to praise 
while affirming the goodness of God and trusting in him for salvation. And lament is powerful. Lament is something that is also probably lacking in the church as a whole. It is not unusual to be given space in a church service to reflect on ways that we've fallen short of God's glory. Particularly during services with communion, we often pause to examine ourselves and to take time to handle any business with God. But how often do we see space provided in Christian gatherings to lament? I'd be curious to know if that has ever been your experience. We seem to come from backgrounds and cultures where the focus and emphasis is on God's goodness, his redemptive work, and his power. But we spend very little energy corporately on focusing on what doesn't feel good. Things that feel weak, or perhaps they feel powerful, but they're absent of God's goodness and God's power. To clarify, I believe the average Western Christian does spend a lot of time focusing on those things, but privately, and often not done in healthy ways because of what has been directly or indirectly modeled to us. It would seem that a cultural norm has spilled over into our churches and communities of faith that says we are not supposed to focus on the pain, at least not outwardly. We may emphasize praising God in the storm, but we minimize grieving the reality of our storms with our community. And lament is a healthy practice, one that I feel is personally lacking in my life, and perhaps that feeling resonates with you as well. And maybe some of that for me comes from not always having a good understanding of what lamenting really is. To lament, like how the Bible gives us examples of, is much more than complaining. Lamenting is being real and authentic with God. It is giving myself permission to be honest with God. It is being frank about the sorrow or pain that I feel, and it does not stop there. Like I mentioned before Psalm 13, there is more, more than just the physical part of reality. The power of the lament is found in also being honest and real about the other truth, the truth about God, proclaiming God's word, his truth, his nature and character, speaking to your very soul to remind yourself about God's steadfast love, his trustworthiness, his faithfulness and strength. Even when our circumstances are negative, we can proclaim God's truth in our lives and something is going to change. What changes may not be the storm going on all around us, but we can be changed for the better by speaking the truth of God to our very being. There is hope available even in the face of despair. Psalm 13 speaks about salvation from God. The God of the universe may feel distant, but he has actually come incredibly near. Jesus, the Son of God, coming to this earth amongst us human beings, being as a human being himself, was all a part of God's plan of salvation. Jesus lived and breathed in the midst of our brokenness and pain. He came and humbled himself so that we may be restored into right relationship with the living God. Jesus endured a treacherous death that he didn't deserve. He bore the weight of all of our sin that he didn't contribute to. And thus he experienced death in a matter that no other human has or ever will experience. And as we know, the story continues. Jesus defeated death, and he offers us true life with him. The war is already won, 
the results are in. Jesus reigns victorious and welcomes us into a victorious life with him. And this is a free gift for all humanity to take hold of. It's not just about the end game. It's not just about where we go when we die, but can and should affect this very day and how we live our lives here on this earth. Amen. You can take heart and find encouragement from the one who knows the beginning from the end. He is not far off. Be encouraged to come before the Lord with raw sincerity, crying out to him with whatever adversity you are facing, keeping both lament and praise held in, held in tandem, facing toward the Savior. This is something that should not be overlooked and helps to reframe everything. So what would it be like if we all took the how longs that we feel? We approached all of these how longs with all of this in mind and in practice. We would do well to follow the example set before us by the author of Psalm 13. May we cry out to the living God in our distresses and struggles. Let us not keep the pain hidden behind smiles or concealed due to concerns of burdening others. May we grow in this and not forget the rest. Even in the midst of great difficulty, the psalmist trusted God and put his hope in him. It is as though he reminded his very soul to the depths of his being that God is good. That God is worthy not only to be trusted, but to be praised as well. That God's love is sure and strong. With the eyes of faith, he could see the Lord's salvation, even in the midst of dire circumstances. He knew that his God would not let him be entirely overcome, but instead would lavish his goodness upon him and save him. That eventually the weight would be over and the victory of God would be his to partake in. And this is powerful. This is something to not merely embrace and agree, and agree with intellectually, but to fully step into in our lives. Even as we go through adversity, we go through it all with God. And I think it would be a great opportunity for us to, to put some of this into practice. And so if you feel comfortable, I invite you uh, to gather with one or maybe two other people and to lament, to share your how longs out loud to God and out loud to each other. And as we listen and as we share with one another, to just really honor and value the trust that is being extended to each of us. And as we uh, come before God with our how longs, that we would also speak to him and to our very souls, reminding ourselves of his truth. What does God's word say? What is his nature? What is his character? That we would cry out to God with our lament, and we would cry out to God with our praise. And if you don't feel like you have a how long that you're going through right now, still gather and proclaim God's truth and praise the Lord. And after a little while, we'll come back together to close. And online, I encourage you as well to do this. We heard from the Lord, didn't we? Yes, we did. This is very encouraging. So what would be the easiest way to do this, CJ, with, with uh, our home listeners? Shall we close, do the benediction, and then, and then break up and, and do this? How, how, how would you recommend? If you want to add at the end, you can, you can close it now. 
No, we wouldn't put the, the sharing on video, would we? No. I mean, the sharing would be personal. Mm -hmm. Yes, unless you've got something significant you want to add after that, I would say just close well, out the survey. I would just like to add, uh, I, I would like y you to speak back to him now. Uh, we heard a message. We heard a wonderful message. We heard a clear message. And if you have any reflection back to... Andrew, you go ahead and share that. We've got two mics, and so uh, why don't you come up here and share it? Then you're, uh, I just wanted to say right away as you're speaking. Wait, 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 wait. You want, oh, go ahead. Okay. No, uh, as you you're speaking something? about the lament, uh, I think our culture is one that hasn't learned it as well as other uh, countries. Um, I just think of the Jewish culture and, well, you know, they, they well, and in scripture, we, we see where they're, uh, they, have a, they were able to cry out to the Lord and say, basically, who are you now? I don't know you. Mm -hmm. So uh, that really ministered to me and, and both and to, to know, yes, we know who you are, Lord, but right now, I don't feel it. Mm -hmm. To get in touch with our emotions, I think we can be so stoic, uh, depending on where you're from, but, and independent. No, I'm going to be fine. Our country itself, you know, we're, we uh, are independent people from the beginning, and that's maybe our strength, but it's also our downfall. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Lord, and thank you, Andrew, for this today. Yeah. I want to thank you, too, and thank you, because this is a word that isn't preached in the body. We came here almost nine years ago to the day, July 10th, was our first day in Lydia House, and we came to heal and lament. So what you preach today is something that made Lydia House unique and a safe place for me, and a safe place for me to invite my friend when I heard her need to lament as well. We as the body don't know how to do it. We're uncomfortable with people being in sorrow because we want to fix it. We want people to rejoice. We want people mm -hmm. to be happy. Mm -hmm. But if you can't walk with them in the midst of their pain, you never get to real joy because they're found in the same place. The Lord told me in the midst of our deepest sorrow that our, the depth of our pain would determine our capacity for joy. So if we as the body miss it and we don't give people permission to lament and be Christian, I read someone's post recently they're just sorrowing and still missing their husband it's been five years that seems pretty recent and i said to her heaven's real but sorrow's real yeah. you know this this separation's real so don't beat yourself up it doesn't make heaven any less to sorrow and grieve now it's okay and i think what you gave us permission to do today is be safe and lament, and it doesn't diminish our faith. If it anything, it strengthens it to say, I can say this to my big God because he knows it already. So why am I trying to fake it for who? And if we can't be real as the body, we're never really reaching people. We're never really reaching their deep joys because we're not entering into their sorrows. So thank you guys for being a safe place here. The Lydia House and giving us the opportunity to grow in this. Yeah. Thank you, Anne. I want to bless Andrew. I'm going to pray over him and bless him. 
stretch our hands out here. Father, we're grateful for this message, and uh, I feel like giving him another assignment uh, next time he preaches to follow up with, because uh, there are other psalms that will speak a similar message, and so that we really get it right, Lord. Uh, allow us to learn from today and the days ahead that this is a part of our life and that Andrew has brought an important word to us today. We thank you for him. We bless these uh, days, weeks, months, years of, of uh, learning, preparation, and doing the ministry that you've called him to. In Jesus' name, amen. So you think he maybe has it, has what it takes? Good, good thing for him to be doing what he's doing. I'd like you to send this to me, and then I'm going to send it out to Lydia House so that they can have it. Uh, especially those that didn't hear it, you can say, hey, just refer to, uh, go to our website, and you can get it. So I'm going to share the benediction with you, and then we're going to do what he recommended. And if you can do it at home, as we're doing it here, we're going to gather in small groups, and we invite you to gather and share not just the good side, but the dark side, uh, the, the, uh, the difficulties, and then pray together with one another. Let us pray as we were taught by Jesus. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and glory forever. Lord, bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord, look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.